It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken parm, and I am, I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Today's show, we've got two cool guests, and um, uh, we're going to kind of jump into a break first before we get into them because the, the links of the conversations are, I didn't really want to cut either of them up. So, um, But we got Cody Rourke with Locked On Broncos. Uh, We'll talk about Seth Williams, and then we will talk with Luke Robinson of Locked On Bama. I wanted to talk to him about big picture Iron Bowl stuff in the transfer portal, and we kind of got sidetracked and talked big picture transfer portal and um, big picture college football playoff expansion. So that one got away from me, but that I think it's fine. It's fun. We'll see. I think we both have unpopular opinions, so... Let us know what you think about that on socials and in the Lockdown Auburn Discord. I haven't linked, um, I haven't put the link for the Discord in the episode description in a while, so I will do that. But yeah, let's just jump in real quick. Uh, Built Bar, uh, this show is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor rotating in and out at BuiltBar.com. It's a it's the protein bar that really looks and tastes like a, a candy bar, but it's not. It's uh it's high in protein, low in calories, low in sugar, and low in net carbs. So check it out, BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That's at BuiltBar.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Man, I am so pumped to be joined by Cody Rourke, host of Locked On Broncos, also uh, with the Pro Football Network. Man, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. Staying busy. Um just I feel like every single day, you know, I'm just go, 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 go. Yeah. So it's nice to kind of be able to sit down and, and relax. And, you know, anytime I can talk football, is it's always a fun thing for me. So I appreciate you for thinking of me and having me on here. Of course. So Auburn folks, uh, we're very interested to see where Seth Williams was going to go because it's, it's an interesting path. I mean, when you looked at the way too early 2021 mock drafts that were coming around, you know, around this time a year ago, there were some that had him as a top 20 pick. And it's like, oh, this is going to be great. And then uh, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And so he fell to the sixth round to the team that you cover, the Denver Broncos. What were, I mean, what were your immediate thoughts when, when you saw that he was going to be the guy that your team took? Well, I think first off, you can never have enough wide receiver depth in the NFL. I mean, we're seeing teams go more empty, more spread, involves three to four wide receivers. That means you have to have three to four guys behind those guys that initially get those reps. You have to have that depth there. And Denver last year, I mean, their depth was absolutely tested. They lose Cortland Sutton in week two to a torn ACL. 
Tim Patrick emerges that guy. Jerry Judy went through some rookie moments, some rookie struggles. K.J. Hamler got injured and dealt with some of that. But outside of that, Denver didn't have too much in terms of depth there for guys to really step up. They were really young last year. So I think that this year they've really valued the fact that depth is important. As you mentioned in regards to Seth Williams, you know, I, I think for his ranking initially about a year, year and a half ago, is very accurate. Now yeah. I think that you can make the the observation, and you know this probably more than I do because you cover Auburn football, is the quarterback play probably hurt him right. a little bit when we talk about his production last season and even in the last couple of years. But he has some upside to him from what I've seen on tape. I've been able to get my hands on small 22. He's a guy that can burn you. And I think the most notable clip is when that defensive back is talking smack to him yeah. and he burns him the next play for a touchdown. I like that, and you can tell that he's a competitor, and he, he takes that very, very personally. And I think the thing, too, is that Zach Azani, the Broncos wide receiver coach, he's going to look at what Seth Williams has. He does have physical traits, but can he transform it into becoming a more physical blocker for the team? Can he buy into the culture of RDA, which is a coined phrase by Zach Azani? Uh, and that involves being able to do your job. No matter mm-hmm. where your role is, never, no matter where you're assigned, plugging yourself in and doing what's asked of you. That's going to be something I'm looking forward to seeing with uh, Seth Williams. And it's interesting. I, I think when you look at Seth, it's just like physical freak. I mean, the guy's got the body. He's got the athleticism. He's got the talent. A big thing has been, does he want it? Does he, you know, can he keep his head on straight? And can he be consistent from an effort standpoint? What do you think about the the culture that Denver has and bringing a guy like him in that I I, I don't want to necessarily say character issues because he never really had any problems off the field, but it did seem like effort was a big thing consistently. Is that something that you've seen when you've watched some of the tape for Seth you know, from the NFL perspective? Yeah, I think that you see moments of that. And, and I also saw some of the same with Jerry Judy on his tape. You know, And oh, what I mean okay. by that, in terms of comparison about that, in the NFL, you know, you're going to be the, – the expectations are high. At the collegiate level, a lot of times you're going to run a lot of plays in a short amount of time. And there were times where I'd see Jerry Judy even on film uh, in his senior year at Alabama. I would see him run into the issue where – he would take plays off. And I think that Seth Williams on film from time to time has shown a little bit of a tendency to take a play off. That's not going to cut it in Denver. Zach Azani, he monitors every wide receiver's reps and, and what they do. He takes note and he carries it over. Now, he's a tough coach and he's not necessarily a guy that you don't want to disappoint. You know, he's a fun coach to play for. I can tell you being at Broncos camp, watching him work with those guys, those guys love it because he's hard on them. He wants what's best out of them. He gets the best out of those guys. But if there is ever any disconnect from the athlete, from the player that doesn't want to buy into that, you're going to run into some issues, and it could shorten your time. Obviously, you being a you know a pick who's a later round pick uh, for the organization, that's something you have to worry about. But for Seth Williams, it's an opportunity. I'm I'm now in the National Football League, something I've worked for my whole life. I'm now here. Now, what am I going to do with it? I mm-hmm. think that's the biggest question that Seth needs to ask himself. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a moment that I think every player coming to the NFL has to ask themselves. Right, right. And then uh, another thing that's been interesting is just. How's he going to respond to that? I mean, he's been a guy that's been highly coveted for, you know, for as long as he's played football. People have wanted, to, wanted Seth Williams on their team, and now he slips to the sixth round. And, you know, I think there's two ways that can go, right? It can either fire you up or, 
You know, it can say, well, well you know, I, I'm over this. And I think he's going to get fired up, but there's just so many dudes that Denver has to throw to. I just have a hard time seeing him do anything outside of special teams for a little bit. Am I off on that? No, no, you're not. I think where Denver has this year, and I'll kind of placate what the Broncos' options look like, Cortland Sutton's back, Tim Patrick's back, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Deshaun Hamilton, and even Deontay Spencer. And Tyree Cleveland, the Broncos' seventh-round rookie from last year. He, Those guys are ahead of him. So I, I think for Seth Williams, and you're going to see this too with many young guys, and sometimes you're going to see even with the fourth-rounders and even the third-round players, you have to make a name for yourself in the NFL first as a special teams guy rather than your offensive position in college or whether you play defense. You have to make a name for yourself on special teams because if you're just a one-trick pony, you're not going to have any longevity in the NFL. And one thing we've seen with Denver, if you contribute on special teams and you play well, you're going to get an opportunity on your respective side of the ball, whether it's offense or defense. I think that the Broncos have a need to improve on special teams. They need a guy with speed. I think Seth Williams brings that. And maybe he could play gunner for them on punt. Maybe he can be a kickoff option where he's going down there because Denver's kickoff coverage last year was terrible in the NFL. If he can help improve that and make some plays, come up with some tackles, he's going to be a guy that is going to get an opportunity to get a rep out there during yeah. a live game. But I think we're going to see a lot of him in the preseason. The NFL is expected to have three preseason games. I think he's going to have a really good chance to kind of separate himself from other players, and it's going to be a really big test for him. So, Cody, one of the uh, one of my listeners in the Locked on Auburn Discord, his name's Trey, uh, he asked, how good does Seth have to be to, uh, to reclaim that number 18? <laughs> well, you know, I think you could you could be as good as Randy Moss was. You still aren't going to get that number. Sure. I mean, when you talk about Frank Tripuca and you talk about Peyton Manning, those two numbers, that number is never going to be unretired ever yeah. again. You're never going to be able to get it. So you have to find a way to get a new number. If I'm not mistaken, he's wearing number 19. So pretty close. Just a, just, just a step up. You yeah. know, you got to you got to learn to whatever number you get, you got to learn to to love it and make it into something. And I don't think Denver's had a really prominent player who's worn number 19. I can't really time. think of so, many number 19s at all, actually. The only guy I can think of is Eddie Royal back in the day. Sure. And downtown Fred Brown. He's a practice squad guy. We love okay. Fred Brown in Denver. But uh, yeah, he's got an opportunity there to kind of make number 19 his own thing and and what would a better way to do it? Like in the preseason, you make some plays. People are like, hey, who the hell is this number 19 guy? I know sure. when I go out to practice at training camp, I'm always looking at these guys. I'm looking at their jersey numbers. I'm like, hey, who is that guy? And I look at the roster. I'm like, okay. You know, I take note, and I, and I keep that for safeguard for, throughout the preseason. That's how you really start to get noticed. And, you know, us working in media, we have a chance to maybe even give these players a bigger platform by talking about the plays that they make mm-hmm. at practice. I think that's so important. So what was the general fan reaction from Broncos fans when they announced Seth Williams because I was a little surprised how much you know the the NFL draft broadcast how much time they spent on Seth Williams and I mean they made him look really really impressive with the highlights that they showed you know the the game winner against Oregon the game winner against Ole Miss you know he absolutely mossed some Kentucky guys you know some guys that ended up getting drafted I mean he's got a pretty impressive tape especially when you look at all the 50-50 balls he was able to bring in now, the issue is, you know, he kind of put himself in situations where, like, all of his catches were 50-50 balls. And we can get into that in a second if that's concerning to you at all. But what was the fan reaction to a guy like Seth Williams? I mean, I think you can make the argument that there's a, a ton of upside. Well, I think that's what it was met with. You know, when I 
saw it, and I, and I made my own tweets on Twitter. I was interacting with Broncos fans. They talked about this is a high upside move. You know, it's a, in their opinion, it's low risk, high reward option. Which I think anytime you have that scenario, it's always great. Now, when we talk about the wide receiver depth, you know, there's that right there. But the guys that Seth Williams is going to go against in practice on the defensive side of the ball, the secondary, it's going to be a really good evaluator to see how he can adjust at the NFL level because Denver's got some really strong depth, and he's going to get some work against Patrick Sertan. Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, Bryce Callen. He'll get some work against those guys in some one-on-one drills and also in some of those team drills that we're going to see a little bit later on in camp. So he's going to be tested in that regard. But Broncos fans view it as, you know, hey, he's this under-the-radar guy as it stands right now. And Denver, if in fact that, you know, they decide to trade Deshaun Hamilton if they make some other moves or get rid of guys or they lose a couple guys due to an injury, They believe that maybe he can rise up, but it's telling that he's not ready yet to be that guy based on where he fell in the NFL draft. But then again, you know, as well as I do, Zach, we see it every year where there's these late round draft picks or undrafted guys that come out of nowhere and light the NFL on fire. Seth Williams, in my opinion, he does have the potential to do that. Will we see it in 2021? I'm not quite sure, but I think the potential is there. Yeah, I think he's got some of the ingredients there for sure. And then, you know, what I just kind of mentioned, I mean, it was astounding, like, Really, all of the Auburn wide receivers have dealt with this you know, over the last few seasons, but like Seth Williams in particular, and I think Pro Football Focus put out a few stats throughout the season where like he was averaging like the least amount of yards per separation per reception, something like that. And it's like he had a hard time getting space. Like he, 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 he really, really struggled. Is that something that you look at? You, you mentioned that you got some of the All-22 to look at some of the tape of this. Do you chalk that up to scheme? Because Auburn's scheme has been really, really interesting and odd over the last few seasons. Or do you say, you know, hey, Seth, you know, you really haven't been taught how to run a route tree. Auburn did not help you in that way. Is that, do you think it's just that, that he hasn't really been taught how to run routes properly? Uh, well, I think a lot of it has to do with scheme, right? Because if you look at Auburn's scheme, you know, they're going to have some routes that test you vertically. And obviously, we saw him go vertical several times. But a lot of it is to attack the short to intermediates, some of those middle areas, especially at the second level of the field. And I think the biggest thing for Seth Williams is that he's going to have to get whatever he's learned at the collegiate level, whatever his coaches told him uh, at the collegiate level through his career. Forget everything that you know. You are going to relearn everything about the position because it is different in the NFL. And we have seen it is a death sentence for wide receivers in the NFL if you cannot find any way to get off the line, if you can't create separation at any point in your ability, you won't have a long career in the NFL. You have to find a way to involve to evolve. And Coach Zach Azani, the one thing I've noticed with him, watching him work with some guys that were very raw coming out of college, some former undrafted guys as well, he works specifically on the weaknesses of the players, right? He knows what their strengths are because he does a lot of scouting on them, but he wants to sharpen what they're not so good at. That way, when they come to the NFL and they get their opportunity, they're not just that one-trick pony. And I think that's a really good thing. I think for Seth Williams, he's going to learn a lot from coaches. He's going to learn a lot from guys like Cortland Sutton, who's taken on a big leadership role, Tim Patrick, and even Jerry Judy. I mean, you got guys around the NFL who are veterans that have been asking Jerry Judy about how to create separation. How does he do his release off the line of scrimmage? I think Seth Williams is coming to an opportunity where any question he has will be answered and any weakness he has will be worked on. Sure, absolutely. Cody, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really, really appreciate it. And take care of our boy Seth over there. Absolutely, Zach. Thank you so much for thinking of me and having me. And uh, obviously a mile-high salute to the Auburn faithful.
Today's show brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. They actually just put the lines up for super early picks to win each conference. And hopefully when Pappas joins the show tomorrow, we're going to go through the SEC lines and see where Auburn shakes up. But if you want to get a quick sneak peek at that, you can go to betonline.ag and you can really bet on anything there. So uh, when you make your free account and you deposit money for the first time, use promo code LOCKEDON and you will receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Joining us now right here on Locked on Auburn, little uh, little Iron Bowl big picture action. Luke Robinson with Locked on Bama. How are you, friend? Doing great, Zach. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. So I'm sure you guys have been talking about it as I mean, I'm, I'm sure all the college hosts throughout the Locked On uh, Podcast Network are talking about this, but the transfer portal has been such a big story over the course of this offseason so far. Auburn's lost a ton of guys, you know, in that seven-day period. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the transfer portal as a whole and then how it's impacting teams like Alabama. Well, first of all, um, I know nobody that listens to your podcast wants to hear this, but I think Nick Saban warned everybody about this. He probably and did. He, he did. He, he he also warned everybody about the, the hurry-up offense. And, you know, that I think he had some foresight in the sense that, look, if we go this route, the teams with the most talent all the time are going to end up getting more and more talent and therefore – sort of hoarding this thing, and that's what's happening. I mean, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, you know, those are the teams that are going to end up benefiting with this transfer portal because when you look at somebody like Henry Toa Toa, and that's how you say his name. I just found that out. Um, <laughs> I've got to learn it now. Um, he, he looks around and looks at Tennessee and, and says, look, I can go to Alabama or Ohio State. I'm the best player on this team. I don't think there was any doubt about that. And I can go to Alabama or Ohio State, play for a championship, play for probably just one year, and then move on to the pros. And um, it's a much better situation than trying to be the man here at Tennessee. And, look, I understand about players wanting their rights. And I think Nick Saban understands that, too. Because without thinking about it very much, you would probably say, okay, this is, the transfer report is going to kill Alabama and Ohio State because their second teamers are going to want to leave. I think it's the other way around. I think guys like Toa Toa were going to say, I want to go to Alabama or Ohio State or Oklahoma. And, yeah, a, a third stringer or a, a borderline second stringer may leave Alabama eventually. But right now they're going to get the best coaching at those schools and get the most exposure at those schools. And so I, I hate the way the transfer portal is because I'm a college football traditionalist. I want – when you commit to a school, I want you to stay there. I know Alabama's benefited from the transfer portal. And they continue to benefit from it, but you know, frankly, I want kids to uh, to have to stay at the school that they committed to, and within reason. You know, if you're having such a hor- if you're having a horrible experience, or 
you know, if there really is a sick grandmother or mother or something like that, oh, oh sure. If you want to move closer to home, that's fine. But I'm scared that we're losing all of the tradition in college football. And so even as an Alabama fan that's benefiting from the transfer portal, I'm not sure I like it. So you follow recruiting closer than I do, and I, I am fascinated to see how coaches approach National Signing Day now because, like, I think I, I, I think a transfer that's, you know, maybe a, a freshman or a sophomore that, that have some playing experience and they transfer and they use their one-time free transfer, I think those guys are now more valuable than some of these four stars coming out of high school. I think that's a good point. Um, at least, I don't know about more valuable, but I do think that, it, again, it's going to hurt some of the smaller schools. If you are a, are a three-star or two-star that goes to Vandy and shows out, um, why on earth would you stay there for two more years knowing you may not go to so much as a bowl game? Yeah. If you're good enough, then you're going to um, you're going to want to transfer somewhere where you have a much better opportunity. And I can't blame you given the rules. And then if the if the, if it keeps going the way that it is, and if it's harder for you to transfer that second time, um, you're you're definitely going to want to find a place that you're like, look, I, I got my the second time around, I can't go from Vandy to Kentucky. Yeah. I've got to go from Vandy to Ohio State, you know, or Oklahoma. That's where I've got to go. And so I think you're going to find that some of these smaller schools are going to get really beaten up by this rule, and and a, I think initially we all believe that what's going to happen is it's going to bolster the rosters of these smaller schools. It's actually the opposite. There's been conversation this offseason also about uh, expanding the college football playoff from four to six or four to eight. I think it's fine the way it is. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but Brian Harson went on Paul Feinbaum, said that he's a fan of expanding. And I think pretty much every college football coach in America that's not, you know, really coaching for Alabama or Ohio State, I, I think everyone's going to be in favor of that. Wouldn't you agree? I'm against it, too. I, I'm against the expansion because, again, I'm a college football traditionalist. And what we're doing is we're getting so far away from what college football makes college football the best sport on the planet. I mean, I, I love college football more than anything. I mean, college basketball, look, you're an Auburn guy, and you've enjoyed the Bruce Pearl era, there's no doubt. Yeah. And I enjoyed Nate Oates' run last year. But there, there's not even a reason to really pay attention to college basketball until tournament time. There just isn't. And then the conference tournaments are just a money grab. I've said that a hundred times over. I mean, we may like them for the drama, but it, it's really stupid, especially for the smaller conferences, to allow teams with with borderline winning records or losing records, a chance to beat much more worthy teams in the tournament um, and steal a bid. It's so dumb for them to have that second chance when it should be the conference champion that gets in. If you're going to have everybody, you know, be represented, let the conference champion get in. Um, And that's what I think we're going to do with the college football playoff. I'm resigned to the fact it's going to expand, and it's going to expand to at least eight. And I think I can live with eight. If we say, okay, we're going to do eight, but we're still going to have either a committee or we're still going to have a BCS computer system because you can't just let a conference champion in. If a conference champion is not in three, come on, guys. That's not college football. College football is you need to be 12 and one or 
or, you know, at, at worst 11 and two to be playing for a title. When we start letting nine and three teams in or eight and four, God forbid, teams in, we, we just lost our way as, as college football. And I think that, um, it's the best regular season in all of sports, bar none, and it's not close. Right. And I want that to continue. Yeah, I I think the biggest appeal for college football is the regular season matters more there than in any other sport. I think you can definitely make that argument. The NFL is probably second. Then there's a massive drop off when you look at baseball and, and basketball. So yeah, I I think that's uh, that's a great point. And my thing with the college football playoff is I don't think we've really had that moment yet where it's like, oh yeah, five teams this year deserved it. I mean, it really seems like the last two seasons there's been an obvious three, and it's like, hmm, who is the fourth team? And it's like, well, you got to have four because three doesn't make any sense. But I just, I, I don't think we've really whiffed on that yet. But I understand there's going to be more money involved because there's more teams and more markets involved. So I'm with you. It's going to expand to eight because there's too much money uh, involved for it to, to not happen. But I'm right there with you. And I understand why the coaches wanted to expand because it's in all of their contracts. If they make a college football playoff, they get a huge bonus. And also, it's just easier to get in. And I am 100% fine with that. I don't have an issue with, with coaches feeling that way. But eventually, eventually it's going to be 9 and 10. and be like, oh, my goodness. You know, this ninth team should have been in over this eighth team. And it's like, let's expand to 16. And like, that's ridiculous. Like, that is way too much. And, and Zach, here's my other thing, okay? Um, if you, you're going to, like you said, if you're going to expand to eight and you're going to have just, you're going to have just the eight best teams. That's fine. But how many times have we really had the only time I can really think of that there was a true controversy was probably the first season of the playoffs because TCU and Baylor were fighting for that last yep. spot. And because, because their conference wouldn't name a champion, a true champion, they both got passed over for Ohio State, who ironically won it all. Right. Um, I would not even argue UCF deserved a bid if they were 18. I mean, that year that they got quote unquote left out. I mean, when you play a lineup of soup cans, I I just don't feel like it's fair to the other teams in the other conferences like the SEC. It's like, you know, if you're Auburn and you have to play Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Texas A&M every year, how is it fair that UCF gets in when the, their schedule is not even in the same area code? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I feel like if we're going to do that, let's just get the eight best teams in there. And, yes, some of that may be a bit subjective, but it's subjective when you get in the NCAA tournament and you take at-large teams. And, and, you know, there's no perfect system. The NFL has teams that get in with a 7-9 and nine record or 8-8 eight and eight record. And some of those teams go on to the Super Bowl. And there's something inherently wrong with that, but we all accept it because it's a money brand and we're all okay with it. I'm okay with the NFL setup because you know the rules going into the season. And and I guess you could do that with the college football playoff. Like if my issue with with college football where it's like, okay, if you have a a playoff of eight and you take the, the winners of the Power Five conferences and then you take the best group of five and then two at larges, my issue with that is all those conferences aren't the same thing. Right. In the NFL, like you're, you're going to have ebbs and flows, but for the most part, over a 10-year span, the AFC and the NFC aren't that much different. Like it's still very difficult to win one of those conferences. When you no, look, that's at, exactly I mean, right. yeah, when you look at, you know, it's, it's easier to win the Big Twelve 
or the Pac-12, or even the Big Ten, especially the ACC, than it is to win the SEC. And it's not even close. So I don't think that's necessarily fair. And then I think the devil's advocate's point of view is, well, you would look at it and say, well, you just give some of the some more of the at-larges to the SEC. And it's like, I guess that would work, but I, I'm just I'm just not sold on it. I don't think it makes the product better. Well, here's the other thing. Expanding the playoffs, who do you think is going to get in those extra spots? It's going to be the Alabamas, Ohio State, Clemsons, and Georgias, and Oklahomas, and LSUs that didn't get in on the first four slots. So it, it's not really solving what you want to solve. It's not, you know, I think people keep talking about parity. And the problem I have with that is, look, in the South, we care more about football. Alabama, the state of Alabama, per capita, puts about as many players in NFL as anywhere mm-hmm. because our high school talent does, because our high schools care. Right. And I'm sorry that our high schools care more than the high schools in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the high schools in Colorado care more about snow skiing. We're not as good at that. They're really and good so, at snow skiing over there. They're really good at Great. it. We don't have a lot. We can go to Mendon, but that's it. <laughs> and um, so my point is that when you have all this talent in the South, of course we're going to be better. And then when you have the SEC, which is the most marketed and best marketed conference in the country, when we can call California and say, hey, you know, Najee Harris, Bryce Young, would y'all like to come over here and play and, and get all this exposure and play against other NFL players all the time so that the NFL uh, knows your season been ready? They're like, sure, let's do that instead of playing for Oregon State, who gets on Lifetime Channel on Thursday night. Yeah, that's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Luke, thank you so much for your time, brother. Where can people find you and hear you? Uh, Locked on Bama would appreciate any Auburn fans listening. I mean, look, you got to know your enemy. I listen to you every day, Zach. I think there's a lot of crossover, actually, between our audiences. I I have a lot of people reach out and say, hey, did you hear what what Luke said today? And it's usually not bad. It's usually something interesting. So there you go. (laughs) Well, man, I'm just trying to uh, keep everybody on their toes and uh, keep up the good work, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you. And that does it for today's edition of the show. Yeah, like I said, would love to hear your thoughts on... Me and Luke's conversation. I think the best way to have a, an open conversation with me um, and just the podcast community, we're super active on Twitter, but I think the best move is to join the Locked On Auburn Discord. Once again, I will put that link in the episode description. If you have any trouble joining it, reach out to me. It's confused a few folks, so that is okay. We'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, Michael Pappa should be joining me. We'll talk some betting lines and some interesting things that Vegas thinks about this season coming up. Follow me on Twitter at Z Black or be in the show on Twitter at Locked on Auburn. We're also on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. See you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.